0: Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup, episode 54 for the week ending Monday, April 25th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masu, and back with me on the show after a week away is my main man, Defo Mochape. How's it, man? All good, man. Nice to have you back.
1: Yeah, I heard the celebrations continued last week, as
0: well. Hey, the fireworks were going off. It was, all, it was all gravy, man.
1: Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's been a year. It's worth celebrating a couple of times
0: indeed thank you all for listening in and letting us do that uh, two episodes in a row in case uh, you're joining us for the first time or if you missed the last two of our birthday celebration episodes please do head straight to africantechroundup.com to get yourself up to speed
1: and we love engaging with all you guys on social media so keep your comments and shoutouts coming in on twitter and instagram our handle is at africanroundup on both networks that's at africanroundup and you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash african Tech Roundup.
0: That's right. But before we get on with the show, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks. For you, the listeners of the African Tech Roundup, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to try out their service. Now, FreshBooks is easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing so they can get paid faster. If that sounds good to you, just go to gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech and put them to the test. Now with all that said, in today's discussion we'll be asking the question what technological innovation is needed most on the African continent? Now stick around to hear therefore, and I chat about that but for now it's straight into this week's news. First up, how's this for desperate or determined depending how you look at it? Uh, the FBI paid a third-party hacker million US dollars to unlock the infamous San Bernardino shooter Syed Farouk's iPhone. They're spending like African governments now.
1: Actually, interesting that you mention African governments because although this is not an African story, it it sort of sheds light on what we can expect our governments to be paying to snoop on people they don't like.
0: Determined or desperate, do you think? Thin line. (laughs) And then how worrying is it that uh, the FBI is going to third parties? Who's to say these third parties aren't going to happily serve as some other government with the same information?
1: Look, it's probably happening. I mean, you remember, again, the story of hacking teams. So they contract to the National Security Agency and all sorts of governments across the continent. So... Actually, they're being nice by telling us how much they paid. I just wonder how many other people like this they pay to do this.
0: Does that amount say something about how brilliantly uh, Apple has secured its platform uh, in that it should cost far less to do? Or are these hackers just, you know, smiling all the way to the bank and taking advantage of uh, the FBI being so desperate?
1: I think it's probably more to do with how much that unlocking was worth to the FBI and how much the hackers saw that if we unlock this iPhone, we're probably helping them unlock infinitely more others running the same operating system. So, th- probably the hackers looked at it and said, We're not just unlocking this iPhone, we're giving you code to unlock all sorts of iPhones. So, how much is it worth to you? And
0: yeah. And by your estimation, is this something that could happen like in an afternoon, some one clever chap uh, on a weekend or something?
1: I don't know what, what was involved in unlocking. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it was encryption involved, but I think it was more than just encryption. So... It'd
0: be interesting to know how they did it. And of course, I think I read somewhere this week that the FBI won't be telling Apple how they did it, which, uh, well... I suppose they're just getting back at Apple for not sharing the information in the first place. Cost them $1.3 Apple's probably one step ahead of them anyway.
1: Probably a bad move by Tim Cook. I think he thought that by going public and telling people that they're going against the FBI. And now it's backfired. The FBI has unlocked the phone. Everybody knows they've unlocked the phone. Again, I still think when we first covered it, they should have done this behind closed doors.
0: I don't know if it's necessarily bad in, in, in terms of Tim Cook. I think I think he and his organization actually walk away from this with their integrity intact.
1: They do publicly, but now it's opened all sorts of doors. Like on the continent, governments like your Uganda's who cut off cell phone coverage during elections and the uh, DRC, as well, the Republic of Congo as well, are looking at this thinking $1.3 million. That's chump change.
0: Yeah, that's like a little bit of child labor, some platinum out of a mine. Goodness, we could get this done.
1: Yeah, with anybody. I mean, with opposition, they don't like. So I don't think they should have gone public uh, with this bet.
0: Yeah, I I see your point. Well, to Zambia next, though, where lawmakers are proposing that the government not charge value-added tax on mobile devices imported into the country. Now, this recommendation is no doubt motivated by the misguided belief that mobile devices will somehow save the developing world. I mean, I suppose we'll talk about this a little more a little later on. But what do you think?
1: I don't see how, because they're saying the reason for this was that they want to increase uh, internet penetration in Zambia, which stands at approximately 17%. It's a really far-fetched argument to say that by dropping value-added tax on mobile device imports will increase... internet penetration.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the lobbyists on behalf of um, device makers are just rubbing their hands with Glee. If this goes through, they're probably due for some serious commissions. Uh, and of course, the the mobile telcos would love this as well because, you know, they they could obviously imp- improve their margins, cheaper phones, tax-free. I'm just annoyed that this kind of thinking is probably driven by, you know, the the, the thinking that... Uh, somehow Africa would just be all better off if all of us had a mobile device.
1: True. That and if you want internet penetration to increase, your best bet is to take that value-added tax that's being paid on mobile devices and give people free internet.
0: Absolutely. Um, or education to start. I mean, what can you do if you don't know how to write or read or uh, account for that matter?
1: True. this smells of politics and politricks. Of people lobbying each other, as you said, so yeah, I don't. It's it's a really far. I can see how it indirectly impacts internet penetration, but it's it's really far fetched. I'm
0: willing to be convinced. If you all out there have information that can prove the correlation between dropping uh, the price of mobile devices and the increase in internet penetration, then we'd like to see it. Uh, the way we see it right now, it's big business that stands to benefit.
1: Yeah, and um, mobile phones come at different prices, so I don't see how. Dropping VAT will affect if you can't afford an iPhone 6, you go buy a cheap Android phone that comes in at what, $25, $30. And that's essentially
0: robbing the public because, I mean, that's money that would have made its way into the into the fiscus and benefited uh, the country as a whole in terms of building infrastructure and other things. I, I can't see how that could possibly be a good thing. Again, we're willing to be convinced. If you have an argument that might change our minds, give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup or drop us an email at hello at africantechroundup.com. Well, it's good news if you live in one of the three counties in Kenya where the government is promising to provide free public Wi-Fi via fiber optic cable.
1: This is good. You see, this is how you get internet penetration up, giving people free Wi-Fi.
0: Incidentally, Kenya is one of the countries that the Zambian government uh, pointed out as an innovator to catch because of their penetration numbers that uh, Zambia is obviously looking to, to emulate. And it's interesting that they're going about it very differently.
1: Again, you, you were asking our listeners to give you a uh, correlation between dropping VAT on mobile devices and internet penetration increasing. The only way you increase internet penetration is free public Wi-Fi. And also, I think the Zambian government are sugarcoating the whole thing. I think this benefits the device manufacturers. And yeah, But let's focus on Kenya for now.
0: The other thing I like about the story coming out of Kenya is the focus on public-private partnerships and the realization that it's not just government uh, that can do this alone. Uh, the private sector is going to need to come to the party the benefits is likely to rub both ways
1: it will the the private sector or the people laying out the fiber cables will benefit I'm sure government is paying them some sort of fee or retainer or service fee or installation fees etc and government benefits because it's providing uh, citizens with uh, free Wi-Fi and they look good to citizens.
0: That's what, how you do it, Zambia. Tear a leaf out of Kenya's book. That's what you do. Now, staying with Kenya, though, uh, mobile telco Safaricom is set to continue its dominance in the Kenyan market. This is in the wake of the most recent delay in enacting a law that would seek to prevent big business like Safaricom from benefiting from manipulating the free market to maintain anti-competitive advantages. The likes of Airtel have long said that Safaricom enjoys far too much uh, uh, anti-competitive advantage in the mobile telco sector.
1: Yes, I mean, Safaricom dominates Kenya as it is currently, and that's true. But it's odd that the expression of interest only received one bid. And according to Francis Wangusi, the Director General for Communications Authority, it's non-competitive, and I agree with him.
0: The expression of interest was to tender for uh, international consultancy on the behalf of the authority to, to figure out how to determine whether the landscape in any given industry is actually fair or not. And uh, once it's identified those parameters, be able to identify which players within each industry might be decayed a dominant player which needs to be curbed.
1: And as it is, given that the bid is non-competitive and will probably be delayed again, Safaricom continue to enjoy their dominance
0: without being questioned. However, I want to ask a question. Any good capitalist would tell you this is exactly what should be happening. It's a free market. Uh, Safaricom is dominating on merit. The consumers are choosing Safaricom above uh, uh, ahead of all its competitors because the market is free. And Safaricom presumably is providing a service at a level that beats its competitors. What could possibly be wrong with that? And why should the government be involved? Isn't that what should be avoided at all costs? This is me speaking <laughs> for the capitalists out there.
1: Only if it wasn't one, I think, in my opinion, a regulated uh, regulated industry. Telco is a regulated industry. Two, only if a government wasn't involved in Safaricom as a shareholder in one way or another.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, so the politics of it, and of course it being an industry that exists for the public good, means that it needs to be regulated and the government ought to have a say about who gets to benefit to what extent? Yes,
1: yeah, so in that case, you can't allow dominance by one player. Okay, well,
0: the social capitalist in me has been satisfied by your response.
1: <laughs> I'm glad.
0: Well, moving on to our next story, and it comes out of Egypt, where the government there is aiming to have two new tech parks up and running by the end of 2016. Wow our Northern African brothers are not messing around.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. These sound like uh, innovation hubs, I guess. Yes, and uh, look, we did a show many, many, many weeks ago,
0: I think probably two or three weeks into uh, the existence of uh, the African Tech Roundup where we questioned the efficacy of such hubs. Should we be questioning the efficacy of these hubs, especially them being government-run? Do you think the fundamentals of their existence would, would be sound? Is this kind of news the kind of news that gets you excited, basically?
1: Mm, it it gets a reluctant smile from me because I I still believe there isn't a model that for the continent. I'm not talking about Silicon Valley and Europe and Asia. I'm talking specifically for most of um, the continent. A model that works for hubs. I don't think one has been found. An investment model from a VC side from Seed and Angel has been sort of found. But in terms of innovation hubs, I don't think we've nailed down a model yet that works for both the hubs or the private sector or the... The, the government if they're involved
0: well these two hubs uh one called the borg el arab technology park and the other called the new aslut technology park both in alexandria are being created to quote help attract young entrepreneurs and innovators in the ict fields and help export ict services to the world markets i mean it sounds lovely doesn't it
1: it does they always do but how effective are they
0: we know for a fact that hubs all across the continent are being closed at an unprecedented rate.
1: And the latest trend now is hubs run by corporates, like big corporates, big banks or big companies.
0: Yes. Actually, uh, with the help of the likes of certain VC interests like Nest, who, 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 who tend to like to partner with corporates, uh, provide all the expertise that the banks don't have, but leverage all the services and the network that perhaps the banks can, can bring on board. And of course, everyone gets to win.
1: Yep. But again, I mean I think I was reading an article last week which was questioning whether any innovation was coming out of such hubs.
0: Look, I suppose on the on the one hand we are very quick to criticize uh big business for not being innovative and uh uh, not being uh, on the ball in terms of trying their best to innovate from the inside out. Some some companies have just decided that's not even what they're going to try and do. They're just going to buy it in. I, I think it's really difficult. I have to feel for... um corporate leadership because i I, if i were in their shoes i i wouldn't quite know what to do in order to try and keep up and be sure that i'm doing what's necessary for this organization to last into the next you know decade
1: yeah so far it seems what works though is, is acquisitions as you said either acquiring startups or acquiring a portion of startups that are innovating within your space but the hub model the incubator model i'm yet to see something successful come out of both the public private hubs run by government and the private sector and hubs run solely by big corporate innovations that were started within that hub and not acquired.
0: I have to admit that culturally um, uh, the business context of a place like uh, Alexandria is probably vastly different to what we experience here in in the rest of sub-Saharan Africa. And listen, if you're in Egypt listening to us and you have some insights that will give us an indication of how hubs work or don't in your context, please give us a shout. You know where it's at at African Roundup on Twitter. Now, finally, the government in Malawi is doing some incredibly innovative stuff around the testing of drones to help improve turnaround times on HIV testing for infants in rural parts of the country. Exciting stuff. Now, this, this I dig.
1: I dig this, but again, I'm, I think we, we did this with an episode where we had Chineru marek uh about drone deliveries in Nigeria. The question becomes the addressing system in Malawi.
0: Well, no. In this case, the drones are being flown to clinics where expecting mothers and re- uh, mothers who have recently given birth are in a position to have their children tested for HIV and or themselves tested for HIV. The turnaround process, which can take up to two months uh, under no- normal circumstances, uh, especially uh, in areas that are hard to reach uh, by motorcycle, often only by motorcycle. And now it's becoming possible for, for these clinics to collect these samples and then send them back to labs for testing, get the information back to the mothers so they can decide whether or not they need to be on retroviral drugs or uh, put their children on, on prophylaxis.
1: Now that makes sense. I mean, if they're localizing the delivery and bringing it to the clinic, that, that makes good sense.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, they're very costly little devices, uh, roughly about 7,000 rand a pop. Uh, but the, the advantages of that you know the batteries don't need to be charged as often as you might think um, and over the long term their use becomes cheaper than the use of diesel fueled motorbikes i imagine also more reliable <laughs> i can imagine places a motorcyclist on his way to go collect a sample might end up that a, a drone perhaps might not
1: yeah definitely and it's more a direct route with with, with a drone because there's no obstacles in there
0: I'm digging this now I mean this leads very nicely into our our discussion question for the week which is what technological innovation is most needed on the African continent is it drone delivered HIV testing kits is it tax-free mobile devices (laughs) is it free Wi-Fi is it water purification more uberization of just about anything what would you say.
1: Let's start with free internet. I think I think that will help in terms of. Uh, I think that helps in terms of education and information systems as an innovation. So you can think about people in uh, distant areas not having access to information similar to HIV tests and not knowing where to go or how to go about getting the HIV test or where the nearest clinic is. So giving them free internet can help in that sense. So I think that's... But the more fancier stuff I don't and tax free uh, important devices, I'm not too sure about that.
0: You know what I'm excited about is... The world-leading HIV vaccine trials that are happening in South Africa and Zimbabwe at the moment, I think that's incredibly exciting. And on the surface, I guess it doesn't seem like too much tech is involved, but the volume of data crunching that's required in order to make discoveries like an HIV vaccine is quite incredible and i feel that a lot of the sort of uh, brains trust on the continent that could be applying themselves to solutions like that are very busy now at uh, programming the next uber competitor instead of sort of getting down deep and this is easy for me to say because i'm not technically a tech dude but i mean i don't know am i right to say that we don't have enough people excited about stuff that i feel would matter
1: there are. There's plenty of people excited, again, but you bring up an interesting point. It's a matter of balancing they need to eat.
0: That's true. I suppose donating your time to a non-profit data drive in order to crunch data on HIV and disease studies isn't necessarily going to pay the bills.
1: It might not, not in the short term or even in the medium term. And also, I mean, we just don't have investors with the appetite that you see in, uh, in Silicon Valley or other parts of the world who are willing to throw money at projects and wait for years on end without any profit but seeing growth.
0: And I mean we've already touched on it earlier on um, but this idea that if every single individual on the continent had access to the internet um, somehow it would make for a better continent. Is that sound thinking to think that way?
1: It's, It's more marketing than anything but free internet or widespread internet access at either low costs or free does have an impact on the continent i think in terms of one i mentioned information services there's information services like uh, mothers who just given birth who live far away from things like clinics instead of when they feel ill or they see certain signs on the on the baby that they don't know what's going on they can just ussd or mobi site and say my baby has these symptoms what's wrong then you get answers. So, so things like that do help. But to stretch it and say it will make generally, like, make a sweeping statement saying that the continent will be far better with free internet, stretching it a bit.
0: And then let me turn the, the question, the initial question around and say which quote unquote uh, technological innovations are most overrated on the African continent, do you think? Apps. A new story that we didn't touch on is the rumor that Easy Taxi is calling it quits here on the continent. Listen, we haven't had anything confirmed. Uh but another one bites the dust in terms of what you just said. Apps?
1: Yeah, apps are highly overrated, yet we see hackathons about apps day week in week out.
0: I'd have to agree with you on that. So absolutely. Overrated apps are most needed in my view. Research contributing to an HIV uh vaccine. And you, remind me?
1: free internet i still believe it can make an impact but not as widespread as some people make it out to be saying that it's going to change everything but you can think of uh, i can think of many use cases for free internet in a remote area where there's no school yet but there's a public library or something of the sort doing remote teaching on high speed internet so sharing teachers maybe there aren't that many good maths teachers or science teachers so whilst the good school is having a lesson from one of the best teachers it can be streamed at the same time to a remote school somewhere else. So I'm not talking by free internet. I'm not talking apps here. I'm talking like real use cases, education, or even medical help.
0: Well, that was very eloquently put. My my motivation for uh, wanting an HIV vaccine is quite uh, uh, simple. I just uh, would like to see a lot more of my African brothers and sisters not die.
1: (laughs) True, true. And we need more research.
0: Absolutely. Well, what technological innovation do you think is needed most on the African continent? And uh, in the same breath, which innovation do you reckon is most overrated? Tell us what you think. Give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup, or you can drop us an email at hello at africantechroundup.com. We always love hearing from you. Keep your comments coming. Once again, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought to you by FreshBooks, FreshBooks. For you, the esteemed listeners of the African Tech Roundup, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to try out their service. Now, Like we said earlier, FreshBooks is an easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing so they can get paid faster. Now, don't take our word for it. Go try it out for free at gofreshbooks.com forward slash African Tech. That's gofreshbooks.com slash African Tech.
1: And that's it for this week, guys. If you missed the last two episodes of the show where we were celebrating our one year anniversary, be sure to check them out because we Took a fun trip down memory lane by revisiting some of the best moments we had on the African Tech Roundup and our sister podcast, African Tech Conversation. Check them both out at africantechroundup.com. That's africantechroundup.com and conversations.africantechroundup.com.
0: Also, be sure to listen in again next week. In the meantime, though, it's cheers from me, Andy Lemasugu, and. Defo Happy. Thanks for listening, y'all. Cheers.
1: Cheers, guys.